Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and I have Rob Hayes on the other end of modern technology. Hello, Rob. Hi, Pete. How are you doing? Yes, I am fine. I've uh, just been out for a run and if anyone who has seen me before, you know how much of an effort that uh, probably is. So a little bit breathless and... uh, not not a cold, but uh, you know, probably sound like I do have one. But there we go. Um, but yeah, feeling all right. Um, obviously, on the back of yesterday's loss to Arsenal, though, um, it kind of was the game I thought it would be. It was the score that we kind of said it probably would be as well. We just don't get anything there, do we? No, haven't done since 1973, I think was the stat. But I, I don't think you needed the actual figures to know that... North London, in particular, the red part of it is not uh, necessarily a happy hunting ground for for Leicester City. Um, yeah, what we said on the podcast came to fruition. What I was saying in the pub with a few mates was coming to fruition even before the game, during the game, after the game. I don't think I ever really wavered in what I thought was going to be the final outcome. As pessimistic as that sounds, we are, we're known to be realists on this show, aren't we? Yeah, we are we are real. <laughs> we are we real. are real. <laughs> we are real. Um, if you're not doing a hand sign when you do that as well, are you? Surely. No, real. I'm not actually. I'm not. No, I am. Anyway, um, yeah, it's 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 difficult. I was on the Anfield rap earlier, and um, and and they started with basically, you know, saying it's away at Arsenal. You know, not what did you expect or along those lines, but. What did we expect? They're a good team who are playing well, full of confidence. And when Arsenal are full of confidence, they can beat anyone in the league. And we'll see what happens with them in games against you know the big sides in the league. I think it's probably unfair to judge Leicester on the performance and the results because we we because of the team that we were playing. But we started really well. I think the one thing that we have to say straight away is because we are realists <laughs> that sounds just bizarre saying that but because you know we we generally look at things from from a a step backwards and and try and get the bigger picture i'm one of those people who if there's a decision that happens before a goal um like 10 minutes before you score it doesn't mean that you would have been 2-0 up for example um but what i will say is the handball Okay, the handball in the penalty area, it would have been a penalty. It would have been a red card because it was already on a yellow card. So more than likely he would have been booked. If he wasn't booked, then it would have been an outrage anyway. Um, That changes the entire game. You know, we would have been in front more than likely. um, And they would have been down to 10 men. As it was, we weren't. But we went 1-0 up not far after that. And it was a goal from a player who's just improving game after game, really. And and I think the games for England, we we said actually, would the games for England actually make a difference? Would they 
would they improve his confidence? And I think yesterday's game showed that. We know that Chilwell's always going to have you know issues here and there, maybe with positioning, etc. But for me, he stood out as a player for Leicester. Yeah, me too. Especially, it, it sounds strange in a game where Hector Bellerin had one of his best performances in an Arsenal shirt down that side that Ben Chilwell was in. Um, I think if you're looking at individual performances, you want to look at the first 30 minutes as an indicator of what each of those players in the Leicester team can do rather than the the final 60 minutes, if you like, because as a team, they weren't at the races uh, in the final hour as, uh, anywhere near as much as they were in the first half an hour. But Chilwell, the, the pace, power and determination of the run that ultimately resulted in the goal... Um, it, it's it, the only thing that's disappointed about it is the fact that he doesn't get to put his actual name on the team sh- uh, on the score sheet that it counts as a as a Bellerin own goal because Bellerin is is widely reported to be one of the if not the fastest player in the Premier League and all right Chilwell had a bit of momentum on him but he was still a few yards behind him and he just sort of chipped and charged if you if you use a rugby term there got past him into the box after having already pelted it from just inside his own half. Um, and got his just rewards with a goal. But yeah, he's he is brimming with confidence, showing a lot more physicality than we've seen from him in, in a few years uh, in the few years that he's been in and around the first team picture at Leicester. And I think that's that's pleasing to see. Um, there was uh, there's word from a a couple of people that I've spoken to that he spent a lot of time at the training ground over the summer working on strength work and. You overall physicality he's, yeah you he's, can see of course bigger. you can see it and you can see exactly the same thing um before he got his injury in Damari Gray as well he'd become more of an all-round athlete Chilwell always had pace always had a, a a decent left foot was criticized a little bit for his work in the final third and was criticized a bit for his defensive and strength aspects he looks a much more rounded player this season than he did even towards the end of last season and that's down to him personally putting in the graft throughout the summer and I think his decision making in the final third has also improved and being around the likes of Damari Gray and James Madison who are his good good mates who play that far forward will help him in that because he can take advice from them he can he can sort of magpie their ideas and and turn that into the the fully accomplished left back left wing back that that he is very fast becoming well, there's basically my next point, really. Where is he going to play? I agree with you. I still think there is positional work and final third work to, to do. But then again, how many players of his age are as advanced and playing for England that's that's happened at Leicester? None, really. I, I just feel he, he really did stand out. Him and Maguire, you could see that difference between international class and um, obviously a lot of players do play international football, but for a country like England you know they really did stand out and a lot of the um, responses from Arsenal fans uh, were along the lines of there's a player we could really do with you know and that says a lot you know if if that's the player that they picked out of the Leicester side that they could do with obviously Harry Maguire would be definitely one um, that would get in the Arsenal side but they really did pick Chilwell out Um, but the, the, the question really is, did they play three at the back, three five two? The rumour was beforehand, Rob Tanner from the Mercury tweeted, there's a rumour going round about them playing three at the back with Armati, Maguire and Evans. Having Ricardo 
and Chilwell's wing backs, which we said the last episode was was based around this. And for the first 20, 25 minutes, it worked really well. Now, I would like to think that Leicester just maybe not took the foot off the gas, but in the natural flow of a football match, sometimes it doesn't always last. You know, your your great play for 20 minutes. And also, Arsenal really did grow into the game. I'm not going to criticise Leicester, you know, one or two, you know, maybe players defend, uh, positional-wise got caught out, but... Th- you know, that that third goal was was sensational. You know, it's sensational football. So I'm not bemoaning the fact that we lost the game. I'm going to look at the positives, and I'm looking forward already um, to the game this coming weekend. Do we go with the same formation? Do we go with this three at the back? I think we'll be absolutely crazy not to. And I think we'll be crazy unless they want to play um, Soyuncu in, in defence then I, I can't see a reason why Armati can't be there. We mentioned already about him being the African Cup of Nations team of the year, etc. I I, th- I feel they just have to. They really do have to stick with this. And also, further on in midfield, the likes of Ibora can then maybe come in to that midfield. You can still have Mendy, you can still have Ndidi there. But having someone like Ibora making that final pass through, maybe Madison behind Vardy, even having Iniacho and Vardy up top and Madison maybe dropping to the bench. The guys only play in 65 minutes at a time anyway. It might work, it might not work, but it's an option. Yeah, the formation was a really interesting one for me uh, last night because as soon as the team news came in, uh, I looked at it first on the Leicester Twitter um, and normally they release it as a sort of one picture you know where the all the players are lined up in a sort of v formation kind of thing it was but, nice and flashy but, wasn't it yeah it was a gif um and i in it, when i first saw the names come up it normally comes up goalkeeper right back center backs left back you know that, that in in what you'd consider the traditional order and when it first came up it was um amarty maguire and evans and then it switched to Pereira, and I thought, hang on, is Chilwell injured or something, and, and Pereira's gone to left-back, what's happening, as I was working my way through this gif. Um, and then it listed Mendy and Ndidi, and then Chilwell, and then Madison, and then Vardy Nacho. So I read that as Leicester playing a 3-5-2, or a 3-4-1-2, whatever you want to call it. Um, but then I, I looked on other sites such as BBC etc and they listed it as the more traditional the the formation that we have been playing uh, recently so as soon as the game started I looked right away where is everybody lined up where are people playing is Madison playing from the left is is it a three at the back and it was kind of a bit of both it was really really fluid which really worked in our favour in the first half an hour Uh, Arsenal didn't really know what to do with us the players looked really um, uh, fluent and comfortable in that in that formation. And what essentially happened was, when we were attacking, Chilwell went up to sort of left wing to allow Vardy to take up a more central role. Uh, and then Evans would shuffle across a bit to left back, Maguire uh, towards left back rather. Maguire and Amati would sit in the centre and, and Pereira would come and tuck in at right back. Equally, if it was going the other on the other side of the pitch, Pereira would push forward as to, as to the right wing, Amati would, would tuck across, and everybody else would shuffle across to make a back four again. It wasn't strictly a 3-5-2. Madison was playing central. Vardy and Acho were being asked, when Arsenal were playing it out from the back, to play wide and look after Arsenal's full-backs, 
Uh, and that Ian Acho going missing from his right wing defensive duties during that transition period uh, was uh, a fault for the opening Arsenal goal uh, near half time. Um, but in possession, it looked great. It allows Madison to operate in that number 10 role, which so far Puel's not been able to do whilst also wanting Ian Acho and Vardy in the team. Okay, it takes a little bit of the sting out of Vardy's game if you're asking uh, Ian Acho's game if you're asking them to pull a little bit wider, but that's only from a defensive point of view. When we're attacking, they were given sort of free reign to do what they normally do on the shoulder of defenders, and Ian Acho's pace had um, Arsenal's defence properly worried. He turned them a couple of times on the halfway line, um, and the whole thing worked really well. The problem was when we were under the cosh, it wasn't structured enough to deal with that and for me I don't uh, after last week's episode you'll you'll know that we don't often openly criticize one individual for making an error that contributed to a performance or a result but I think Claude Puel tactically wasn't quick enough to realize that yesterday I'm still very much in the Puel in camp. Um, my my thoughts don't change game to game like like many many thousands of Leicester fans on social media because it won't be, the, lose it it's won't be the first out. it won't be the first time he's maybe been slow in not making either changes or 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 adapting. Yeah, but the problem was Arsenal were very clearly cutting through us. So why not go back to the four four one one? that is more difficult to break down. Say to Madison, you've had your half an hour gallivanting at number 10 and you've done really well, turning into great pockets of space to get us through to the break because Arsenal came at us straight from the kickoff after conceding. They, they A light switched on for them um, and Leicester got a little bit like, right, we need to keep this 1-0 to half time. Say to Madison, get out there, give me 15 minutes as a left winger where you support Chilwell defensively and we've got two men on that side. Pereira and Amati, you marshal the right-hand side. And Didi and Mendy, you've got the middle. Maguire and Evans, you've got centre-back. Ianatro drop off Vardy into that number 10 role where he has played a little bit this season already just to pick up their defensive midfielders. And that is the way that we'll see it out to half-time. Not only did he not do that, he didn't realise that the, for the 15 minutes that we were under the cosh at the end of the first half that... Some, he needed to plug the gaps for the start of the second. Of course, Arsenal were going to come out brimming with confidence. They got the fans um, up up for it by by leveling with it with a decent goal, and it was only ever going to be them at the start of the second half. Why didn't he switch it back to the more rigid? formation that would have stopped us from getting carved open too often. Then we could have soaked it up. Then we could have countered with Vardy and Iheanacho's pace. That disappointed me because uh, if I, Joe Bloggs in the pub, can see it, then surely man of experienced football managerial uh, career should be able to see that from the sideline. Or Arsenal were just simply too good, whatever Leicester did. You know, we've had teams who could sit back in the past and try and soak up pressure and eventually they're going to get broken down. Looking at some of the replies to the three-word reviews, um, Sam says, Arsenal better team with the uh, the emoji of a, a guy with two hands rising. You know, as in say, that, there you go, that's, that's so simply it. Should have gone to spec savers. Uh, David Lewisby basically regarding the referee and the decision. He also says, why no penalty as well? Um, with Rob Holding, uh, 
Glenn says, uh, consistently and consistently consistent. Yeah, I like that one. That's my favourite this week. Consistently, inconsistently consistent. Uh, okay. Uh, our bench uh, is crap. Uh, Gazelle knew Musa. More on him in a second. Uh, Vardy. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Vardy in a bit as well. Uh, Vardy went to the loo, which he did at the end for, well, the last 10 minutes, basically. Ref Costas, Paul Keller. Uh, bring back Claudio um, from LCFC uh, Philipson and uh, terrible substitutions again. Uh, one word. Oh, second half sucked by uh, uh, Packer Ken, you can tell, because it's an Americanism. Um, the, first of all, Vardy, you know, went off at the end, didn't feel very well. There you go. See you on Saturday. Um, the one thing I'll say, though, is uh, someone like Gazelle, and again, I, the whole conversation after when you you play a team like Arsenal is the fact that you did play Arsenal, and and they were playing well. But he came on and he looked completely lost. He's not really kicked on from the performance. I know it was in we can, we said at the time again. You know, it's the sort of thing. And we say you know we we said at the time, but we did against Fleetwood that he looked fantastic. But it was against Fleetwood, and. But the performance was so good, or it looked really good, and it was that he looked like a really top player. He's not really kicked on. The same for Diabate, not involved once again. Um, I find it difficult, though. You know, what do you do? You try and chase the game. You're living things up. Again, people are always going to be mad that Madison gets taken off. But again, um, at the point of being taken off, which wasn't in the game at all, what do you do as a manager? I think you could only do what he did. Yeah, he he used the options that he had on the bench. And we've talked on this podcast quite extensively about that this is one of the best squads that we've ever had in terms of in terms of personnel in terms of players fitting to positions and formations that can cause other teams problems. But when you looked at the respective benches, there were probably more well-known players on our bench than Arsenal's bench. But look at the players that Arsenal actually brought on. Aubameyang who bagged a couple Ramsey, who's very much in demand at the minute with the contract talk still up in the air. And he's really being recognised this season uh, uh, in particular as the all-round midfielder that he is. Those two came on for for Arsenal. And, and who came on for us? Mark Albrighton, right? When he came on, I allude to my previous point about the tactics, he should have been brought on to shore things up a little bit and make sure that someone was doing a job up and down the flank, right? He ended up play- He was he was busy, busy, but busy, ended- running, running. He ended running, up playing busy, on the busy, right. Busy, pass, run, he tackle. ended up playing on the right side of a three-man midfield. Him and Mendy were playing either side of Ndidi at one point, and I was just looking at it, scratching my head, thinking, "What is going on here?" If you're trying to stop a very fluid Arsenal team, don't put Mark Albrighton at the right side of a central midfield three. It was baffling. Gazal came on. Everything you've said about him so far, he's 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 flattered to deceive quite a lot. Uh, I want him to succeed, of course I do, but uh, on that showing and on p- previous cameos, it's not great at the minute, which is a shame because he's got all the na- all the attributes. He can beat players when he when he wants to. He's quick and he's strong, and he didn't mind putting himself about. I'd like to see more of him at at a, at, a, at a better level. Um, and then I'd like to see I'd like to see more of him actually. Just just sticking with Gazelle for a minute. Um, I mean, you say he's quick. I think he he kind of glides in a way that's uh, like obviously Mares, but Mares you wouldn't say is particularly lightning quick, but he was quick-footed. Um, 
and I think Gazelle's different. He, he's uh, he's a lot taller. I don't think he's naturally quick, but he's he, he's got a little bit of pace about him. But for me, he needs to be given um, f- first of all starting roles. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you think he's good enough, um, then you got to play him. But at the moment, they're not playing a system that includes him. That the system doesn't include a winger. Um, you can try and shoehorn Amaris into the side, but he's not Morris. So with him, he needs to start playing so well. You can't, you've got to keep him in the side somehow, even if it means having a lopsided um, team, which we did at some points over the last few years. But we can't do that with him at the moment. So it's unfortunate for him. He's not playing. He's not. There's no position in the side really that would match up to his skill set. And at the moment, he's looking like he's he's not going to get a game unless it's in the cup. But the further we go in the league cup, the more chance we'll be playing first team players. That's the thing. We could afford to have a bit of an imbalance in our formation to facilitate Riyad Mahrez because Riyad Mahrez was a game winner. He'd win you games more often than not, uh, than than certainly more often than he would lose you them by not doing as much tracking back as you as you maybe wanted him to do but you could just he was cheating the whole time marriage you could just leave him high up on on the opposition's left back he'd stand on the touchline not really bother getting involved uh, a lot of the time but he had that moment time and time again where he could beat a player he could pick an inch perfect pass he could bend one into the top corner like he did at the weekend for man city um and i think Leicester fans some some of the more fickle ones forget just how good he was. We've said on this podcast he's one of the one of if not the most talented footballers ever to wear a Leicester shirt, and I don't say that lightly. Gazal is not showing himself to be in that same league at the moment. It's difficult, obviously, if he's replacing a fellow Algerian, he's a left-footed right winger. There's going to be comparisons drawn, but yet, yeah, like you say, Gazal has to show that he is fully deserving of that place to get that place, to keep that place, and for Leicester to to build the team around him. Because for me, Madison has started to do that for Leicester, and that, amongst other reasons, is why Powell almost had to go 3-4-1-2 yesterday to, to get Madison back into that central number 10 role to pull the strings where he does it best. He's forced himself in there with recent good performances. Ian Acho the same. Uh, uh, again, he's he's quite loose in possession a lot of the time, but on the whole, the, the the start of this season has been the best he's performed in a Leicester shirt, so he's in the team on merit. So Powell has tinkered the formation to facilitate those two players alongside Vardy. Gazal's done nothing yet, although it is only early days, he's done nothing yet to, to merit being in the team where it currently doesn't fit for him. I I agree. The the one thing, of course, with with the Gazelle is that he's coming into a side and a club who have aims of getting you know sixth place in the league or qualifying for Europe. When like Amarez obviously was bought when we were in the Championship, and he ha- have the talent to progress with the side to a highest to the highest level of all by winning the league. These players we're buying need to be. At the level right now, they can't improve because Leicester are already, what, 10th in the league, 8th in the league and going for four or five places, say, higher, possibly. That's that's the aim. Um, so they need to hit the ground running. There's there's not a lot of development time. It's it's just a, it's just an awkward situation. I, I really do believe that um, 
the midfield needs help as much as as, as well as we played um I, st- I still feel that there is a huge gap between the two city midfielders and the two center forwards if you would have it in the formation that we started with and that big gap has one player and that's Madison and he can't do everything by himself he's not good enough as a player to be perfectly honest in that role to do it I still feel that there has to be another ball playing footballer in the side that that's obviously not Vardy he's all pace and he's the finisher he's number nine Iniacho, it's not him. I don't think he's got good enough control. I think he is a box player. He needs to be up front if he's in the side. For me, it's going to be someone like Abora, and he could play. You know, you could have Madison just behind Vardy, and then have Ibora in front of the uh, the two centre midfielders. It would it would mean that we'll be able to keep the ball more. It means there'll be a link between the, the the midfield and the forward line. I think that's the problem. The problem is that link, and unless Madison is absolutely on fire you're going to be wanting more and more from the overlapping runs of Pereira and Chilwell but unfortunately you can't be looking at them all the time yes if you've got the two centre forwards it'll be a great outlet but you do need that extra one person to maybe pick a pass to maybe almost play the obvious ball sometimes you might look at someone like Ndidi and Mendy if you go back to the Everton game all of a sudden, indeed, he, the ball was bouncing in front of him just in his own half. And he looked up and just booted the ball over the defence and Vardy ran on and missed a, a one-on-one chance. So it was almost like, for the first time, he, he took the the route one option, not the most sensible option, say, it, cut, it set up the goal, but he took the, the easy option. It, I'm not saying Ibora is going to be threading the eye of a needle every single time, but he might actually just play that simple pass. He might look at the situation and go, hang on, that's the ball. It's the obvious ball. Play it. He might have the confidence to do that. Um, the only way it would work with the current setup, in my eyes, um, is if the forward line remarkably improve in terms of, say, Iniacho improving his all-round play. Or, and this is one point really, he's been playing well, but maybe the development of Wilfred Ndidi in terms of going forward at the moment... I think he's possibly starting to get a bit of an easy ride. He's a, Obviously, he's a very good player. You know, he's a good player. But he's alongside Mendy. And at the moment, Mendy, in my eyes, in my opinion, is mopping up everything. He's the tough tackler. He's all over the place. He's tackling. He's, he, he's passing sensibly. He's doing kind of what Ndidi was doing. And Ndidi, at the moment, he's doing exactly the same as Mendy. But sometimes we don't quite need that. We need a bit more. A little bit more now. Whether that means he has the option of going forward, maybe he, you know, you sometimes like you know, you take the the anchor off him, take the chains off him, and and let him go forward. We know he can score a long range shot, but we know he can slice one into the crowd for a throw in. Or maybe it's the time to play someone alongside Mendy. Interesting thoughts that I hadn't really thought about, and Didi coming out or or shifting around it's kind of been since the start of the season Mendy and Ndidi are starting central midfield that those two haven't really been called into question but I, I agree with what you're saying actually uh, Mendy's doing that job so that should in theory free Ndidi up to be a bit more box to box because uh, sort of agility wise and athletically he's much more accomplished than, than Mendy 
uh, simply because he's he's a taller, more powerful athlete, if you like. Maybe then, uh, and 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 I think I think a way to to fit all of these players into your system, Pete, would be Ian Acho hasn't done enough in the last few games for me to merit his starting place. I understand why he was in the starting eleven recently because he'd had a few good performances, scored a few goals, but maybe we take him out and put him on the bench, which. Um, which will improve my next point about firepower. We'll come on to that. Um, maybe you take Ianacho out, you say to Mendy, right, you sit in front of the defence, and then in front of him you have Ibora and Ndidi, both as box-to-box ones, uh, Ibora controlling the possession and Ndidi providing the legs. You play Vardy through the middle, you play Madison at number 10, but rather than him playing at number 10 and then you're having four central midfielders and two wing-backs and everything getting very clogged up, just say to Madison, go and play wherever you like, wherever you can find some space, because no team, if you've got Ibora and Didi and Mendy in the central midfield, that's three in midfield already. That is, There is no team that's playing more than three central midfielders. It's just not, It's just not a thing. So they'll all be occupied with those. And if Madison's not quite playing up front and he's just ghosting around in those gaps, the defence aren't going to be, want to be sucked out to him. The midfield are going to be overrun because they're going to be outnumbered because we're going to have three in there already. And Madison could literally he could drift wide to, to pick up possession. He could even drop deep and allow Ndidi or Ibora to go beyond him every now and again. He could play on the shoulder if there's a run in behind for him. He could do whatever he wanted to do within reason and it wouldn't really matter where he was in the transitions either because you would have four at the back and and a few bodies in midfield as well uh, three at the back rather three at the back your wing your wing backs three central midfielders and Vardy up top Madison Madison could could go missing defensively and it wouldn't matter yeah you 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 won't want him anywhere near his his own half at the halfway line at best you know he will be Basically, as you said, finding space, finding space. So when the midfield get the ball, they have an option. Um, obviously, there are going to be options out wide, but also that that formation, in my eyes, that number 10 role, then would suit someone like a Damari Gray. And again, you'd say the same, find space. You know, you're the link man, find space, take a shot, you know, be creative. You've got no... Um, you got no real defensive duties apart from maybe at set plays and that sort of thing. You know, you've got three central midfielders behind you. You've got two overlapping wing backs who are given more leeway as well to get forward. You don't really need to give them more leeway because they both get forward anyway. Indeed, he will be able to cover either side along with Mendy and and, and like I said, Bor is there or maybe someone like Silver. It could it could suit both of them really. I just feel. That, for me, is the issue in the side. It's that central role. I think the defence is reasonably okay. You've got the likes of a Harry Maguire who can act as that base base midfielder anyway in terms of passing. He's so good. He gets the ball so many times. How many times he gets the ball? Against Everton at home, my. How many times he touched the ball was unbelievable. Everything started through him. So if you're playing three centre-halves, there you go. It's, it's, it's just a natural fit. Someone like Mendy wouldn't really pick the ball up. He might not even be facing Harry Maguire. Harry's on the halfway line with the ball. We're attacking. The, the game's quite slow, for example. Mendy, he's probably not even looking at him. He's looking at the opposition players thinking, right, if you 
get it, I'm right into you. You know, he's he's not going to be the person to pick up the ball and start the move. That can be Wilfred Ndidi. That can be a borer. Or the ball can be played further forward. That, for me, is is what I would do. And then, of course, you've got the easy option of saying, if we need a goal, you can take off one of those three midfielders. It doesn't matter which one. You'd probably go with um, either a Mendy um, or, or an Ndidi and bring on a centre-forward and go back to having... A, a a three five two formation, you know, with your your two midfielders, one being Ibora, one being the other defensive midfielder, and two up top, along with Madison behind. It's it's an easy fix if you're trying to chase the game. Um, I think it's an easy fix in terms of replacing players. Again, Ibora goes down injured, bring on Silver. One of the midfielders, any midfielder goes down injured, bring on Silver. You know, it, he could he could sit in the defensive part of it. I think it's just. It should be the way to go. Everyone's got their own opinion, obviously. Do you know what I mean? But that, for me, it just it, it suits it. But then you look at the centre-forwards. I know you're going to talk about firepower. So, you know, we'll talk about Vardy. I said it was his worst performance against Everton that I've seen for a number of years. And not just in terms of his movement, which I think was OK. And, he's, of course, no one's going to question his effort. But you, he missed a number of chances. He looked um, short of confidence, which is something very rare for him in the last few years. Um, he obviously had his issues at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, he, he could do with a goal, really. Because at the moment, it doesn't look like it's going to come from anywhere else up front. Yeah, I think he was stifled a little bit against Arsenal last night as well because of the fact that he was constantly looking over his shoulder to check where he needed to be if and when Arsenal regained possession. It, it wasn't the same way that he played from the left for England, um, much, which was much bemoaned by, by Leicester fans and, and most England fans too. It wasn't quite to that level. He didn't start from that position, but he was very often pulling out wide uh, um, because he was forced to positionally, whereas he's much better at going out there naturally as he's bending his run from a more central position. So he he was sort of 10 or 15 yards wider than I think he'd have liked to have been. And then if you take into account the fact that he needed to disappear off down the tunnel to do goodness only knows what to a toilet, um, he maybe he was a little bit off colour, not just performance-wise, but, but health-wise during that game. Yeah, that, but if that that's a big thing for the for the second half as well, you know, how how much did that affect him? I wouldn't read too much into his position out wide. I, I think that was just because of the way Arsenal had the ball and because when they had the ball that was how he gets that that's how his defensive shape is to, to having to go out wide. Um at the moment, you know, that that could easily change, but there was there was a lot of um of post regarding why his Vardy playing as a winger I wouldn't go as far as saying you know he was a winger I think we'll just hold fire on that if it lasts a few games and he, and he does end up playing out wide especially um, at home that's when the alarm bells will ring but for that on that point alone I think I'd just kind of we'll wait and see yeah yeah that's what I'm saying I, I wasn't for one second suggesting that he was playing as a winger he was playing as a striker but the problem was because the only other width that we had was from the wing-backs to stop Arsenal overloading us down the sides. Vardy and Ian Acho were being asked to, to cover the opposition full-backs when they had possession because Madison was playing central and it almost became a front three when Madison was the was the central one and Ian Acho and Vardy had to do had to do the wider jobs. But it, it, let's, let's talk about firepower then. Now we're up that end of the pitch. The problem you've got when Vardy and Ian Acho start a game is that 
when you go a couple of goals down, you've got nothing on the bench to bring on to make a difference. Because Mark Albrighton is the kind of pro that you want starting games, getting up and down, doing you a job. He's not an impact sub most of the time. Rashid Ghazal has yet to have an impact as a sub, so he's not an impact sub. Shinji Okazaki is the kind of player you bring on with 15-20 minutes to go if you're winning and you want to defend a lead from the front. Or you start so him how, for the first how, how hour. How would you do it then, Rob? Or you start Okazaki for the first hour to buzz around tire people out, break things down, then you bring on a more natural striker. There, there is no other way to do it with this squad at the minute, Pete, other than dropping a Nacho, as we've just spoken about, to facilitate that kind of formation where an Ebora or a Silver comes in. But more importantly, we have to, and I know it's only October, we have to get a new striker in in January, or we have to recall someone like Slimani. At the moment, we've got three recognised strikers at the club only two of whom you consider natural goal scorers, taking Okazaki out of there. You start your two natural goal scorers at the same time, then you bring one of them off, then you're trying to chase the game. What on earth have you got left? Before, we've had five or six strikers at the club. Yes, some of them will be sitting on the bench or playing for the development squad and not getting game time, but I can't believe that we let Leo Ajoa and Islam Slamani leave the club. I'm not saying that those two are going to uh, are the answer to anybody's problems whatsoever, but just a different kind of option. Can you imagine, right, if we'd have had a, somebody like a Leo Ajoa to bring on in the last 10 or 15 minutes against Arsenal? You can bet your bottom dollar we'd have had a bit more... Um, uh, a bit more possession, a bit more territory, if you like, because we'd have had somewhere to go with the ball. You bring Okazaki on, he's not going to come on and get you the goals to change the game. He, as a defender... He wouldn't scare me, whereas you bring an Ajoa on, you'd, you'd get something from a knockdown, from something like that. We haven't got that kind of striker in the squad. We haven't got enough strikers in the squad, regardless of what type of striker they are. So in January, it has to be, for me, a priority. You can't be competing, hopefully for somewhere like top eight in the Premier League, with three strikers, only two of whom are going to get anywhere near double figures and goals for a season. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in that show... He has been disappointing. You know, he's only young. We'll see what happens. We'll just see what how he how he develops. But for me, if you are playing three five two and you've got the two up fronts in terms of them both being centre forwards rather than say a Madison behind, um, you know, it it's having them both being you know relatively small or those those kind of players. It's it's I don't think it works as well as it would do where if you had let's say Slamani and Vardy up front. As a two in a three-five-two. Imagine that. You know, I'm just thinking in this. You know, when you've got the likes of Ricardo and Chilwell going out wide and and then looking to play the ball into the penalty area. At the moment, it's not going to the feet of Iniacho. It's not going onto the head of Iniacho when he's in that position. Granted, he's not been given that immediate centre-forward role to be in those positions. You go back to the Everton game and the cross from Vardy, Iniacho was not in the penalty area. He was late getting there and, and the crowd got on his back. Well, the reason he was late getting there because he wasn't playing right up top. Yes, he should have been bombing in the box, but he wasn't playing as a number nine right up front in a in a three five two. Uh, for me, it would be Slomani. Um I think he would suit that. How well he's playing, I'm not entirely sure. I'd better have a look and, and see what's what, scoring the old goal, but... Um, also, I think he's picked up in one or two injuries. We'll, we'll find out. It's an issue. It it is an issue, and um, I think the only way it it can it can be rectified, really, in my opinion, 
is if all of a sudden we go through a period of games which we have done this season of not really conceding goals and, and keeping clean sheets when you're winning 1-2-0, and two nil, picking up goals from various sources. But it really does revolve for me around Inyasho. If he's going to be starting to play, be played up front in a 3-5-2 alongside Vardy as a genuine strike partnership, it revolves around Inyacho and his ability to pick up those loose balls, get on the end of crosses, be that number nine, be that centre-forward. We know Vardy can do it. We know what Vardy's strengths are. But for me, it needs to be Inyacho. He needs to step up if we're going to be playing this formation. I will not let him off from what he's had done in his career so far at Leicester. But I will also put the big, big caveat, the fact that he's not actually played as a centre-forward. If he's going to be playing in centre-forward, he needs to start scoring. And he needs to get that partnership with Vardy working. Because if it doesn't, then we're in a spot of bother when it comes to actually putting the ball in the back of the net. Agreed. Can I just say, before we move on to, to look ahead to this weekend's home game against West Ham, we've both sounded we've both sounded quite ranty over the last 40 minutes. Can I just make it clear that I am not... My my position and my thoughts towards Leicester, towards Club Puel, towards the players, towards the team, towards our season, have not, cha- have not changed based on last night's game. They haven't. The first half an hour was arguably the best half an hour of football that we've put together this season. It was encouraging to see us start a game much better than we have in pretty much any game this season already. Uh, and Arsenal's, Arsenal's goals in the second half and their play in the second half... Most teams in the Premier League, most teams in Europe, most teams in the world would have struggled to deal with it at times because they were exceptionally good. Um, A little bit disappointed, obviously, but we went into the game expecting, pretty much expecting to lose it. We came out having lost it, but shown glimpses of it. There are people that are arguing, yeah, we need to put a 90-minute performance in. But when Arsenal only put in a 60-minute performance because they weren't great in the first half an hour, although we were excellent... Um, it's difficult to do. We went to it. They've won ten games on the spin now, and they haven't done that by chance. So overall, overall, still very positive. Um, and I, I do, the the rants have been about small things that have kind of been blown up a little bit more based on last night, but aren't actual issues that are that are going to hamper our for fox sake targets for the season, if you like. So although I've sounded a bit ranty, I'm sorry. I'm happy. That's the thing, like you know, we're still in the you know we've got a cup tie against Southampton on the horizon. You know, we could be in the quarterfinals of the League Cup very easily, really, with that tie. Um, we've got four games coming up in the Premier League, um, all very winnable. At least, well, the next three say so. The next four games, including that cup game, are all winnable. We you know, we could go on a run now. This is this is really crunch time for me, for the team, and for for Claude, who's been in charge for thirty eight games now. 38 games. Yes, he's got a young side. Yes, he's he's changed a lot of players and this and the other. But, you know, in the modern day, 38 games, an entire season, he's, he's lost more than he's won. Only narrowly, but that's the case. And we're looking to move this side from mid-table into the top half of the league. So we are going, you know, we are still, you know, pinching ourselves relatively, you know, what's happening with the club and where we are in terms of training ground and facilities and ownership. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But we want to progress and we're trying to put our opinion across of how we do that. But these games coming up are huge because, like I said, quite easily you could look at the next few games and go, right, we we go and beat Cardiff away. We go and beat 
West Ham at home. We beat um, Southampton at home in the Cup. That can easily happen. It's going to be a strange game against West Ham. They are an, an odd team, you know, thrown in the odd clangor, but then thrown in the odd really good performance as well. They've been hit by a few injury problems as well. And they're a team to take on. They're a team to go and win at, at home and, and away, I'd say. But at home especially, you'd be looking at Leicester getting three points, starting well, getting an early goal, you know, taking the game by the scruff of the neck and trying to dominate which we, we've we've tried to, but in terms of creating pressure in their penalty area, it's all very well having the ball. We've we've we know more. Everyone listening to this podcast knows more than any other fan of any other club currently playing professional football that having the ball does not mean that you're going to win the game. Keeping the ball for sixty percent, sixty five percent of the time does not automatically give you the right of winning the game. We know that. We've seen it for a season and a bit, and it's been very good, or even more than that. But when you've got the ball, you've got to do something with it. And the thing you've got to do is put it in the back of the bloody net. And that means creating chances. Yes, against Everton at home, they created one or two chances, but not enough. Not enough. When you're coming up to half-time and you're like, oh, you know, we, we've been playing well, or just after half-time for the first 20 minutes of the second half, you know, we are playing well. Yeah, but did the goalkeeper have anything to say? Did he have, you know, was there any real clear-cut chances? No. That's what needs to change with Leicester. They need to start just creating more, having shots from distance, taking a few more risks going forward. And again, that could well be what we've discussed over the previous 45 minutes, you know, changing personnel or maybe slightly adapting the system. I'd like to see him go pretty much with the same formation, you know, exactly 3-5-2, go with the same formation, stick with um, uh, Inyasho and, and Vardy right up top, go with them as that partnership that we were discussing and having Madison behind and saying, look, these are our three forwards. There you go. You deal with that. We've got two sitting players. Go with it. It can always change, but if they're going to go with the two up top, they need to start scoring and need to start clicking. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think if they, if I'd say start with exactly the same 11 in the same sort of fluid formation that, that was kind of a hybrid between the two as it was last night against Arsenal and say, right, rather than put in a really good opening half an hour, Go in and put an open, a really good opening 45 minutes. Get the home fans on side, get a goal or two, and then we'll have a look at it at half time. And that's when you might think, right, we need a little bit more structure to manage the game better in the second half. But for the first half an hour, you couldn't have a single grumble about, about the performance against Arsenal. So go out and extend that by 15 minutes. Get us halfway through this game right on top. Take the momentum into the second half. Become a little bit more game savvy if you like use a little bit more experience and tactical now to make sure that the game's seen out but by then if you play the way you did against Arsenal in the first half an hour make that a 45 minute performance you should and and more than likely will be two at least two goals to the good because West Ham at the King Power are beatable no question about it I think if he changes the system or changes personnel I think it would say to those players, I'm disappointed with with last night's performance and result overall. I think keep faith with them. Say, go on, make it a half rather than a half an hour and 
and then we'll go from there and play it as a lot of people using the old fashioned cliche game of two halves about last night's game. Make this a game of two halves that both where both halves work for us. Get the first half done. We'll look at it at half time. We'll reassess and we'll go again. And I think if we start well, get the fans on side, get a goal or two in the first half that that'll, that should be game over. I reckon a reverse of last night's scoreline three one as I think Saturday. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea of three one. It's always kind of my go to really um, scoreline, but I completely agree. I don't think they should lose heart from from the performance last night at all. In fact, they should go away from the game going, look, you know, I mean, funny they they've scored some brilliant goals and they're on fire, but we dominated the first part of the game and we were one 0 up and we could have been more. And if it weren't for hitting the bar, it wasn't for you know they could have been down to ten men. All what we've discussed so far, it could have been a lot better. I completely agree. Go get at them, get the crowd going as well. It's an evening kickoff. Um, it's on TV. Why not? Why why not go and get three points and then go on a little bit of a run, get some goals in Yacho. I'm going to back him. Get up front, bag a couple of goals. Him and Vardy in the goals, I think. And uh, yeah, I'll go for three. Well, in fact, no, I'll be. Um, I'll, I'll be confident and uh, and 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 go three nil actually. I'll go for three nil. I think West Ham got they got a few problems. Jan Malenko's out for a while, and uh, I think if you keep the big man up front uh, quiet, then uh, then there you go. Uh, anyway, that's the podcast. Uh, one thing I which we said just before off air, um, and that's um, there's been a, a bit of a spike in uh, in listenership figures. And um, so thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, basically, just ask everyone to retweet. If you're on Twitter, just retweet the podcast uh, when we send out the link and uh, or tell your friends and family or Facebook as well. If you go on to, for uh, sake, on Facebook, you'll notice that we have uh, episode links there as well. Just share them on your own page and then then because spread the word, make sure uh, we get as many people listening as possible and send us your thoughts. You know, people send in three word reviews all the time fantastic and we like to see them they are funny we do read them out and uh you know we've abandoned any kind of lead uh, league table and all that nonsense we were trying to think of yeah we'll just read them out so you know even if they're way after the game and before the next podcast release send them through for fox 8 podcast at gmail.com is the email address and again you can email us at any time it comes straight through to my phone basically and uh, and then we can either answer or answer your questions this is episode 98, Rob, I want to say 98. So we've got 99, which will probably be after um, after the next game, so probably this time next week. And then we'll do the uh, the 100th episode, which uh, I'm quite sure what we're going to do yet. Maybe, uh, I think possibly a look back at uh, at the 100 episodes, really, and what from when we started to what we are... Uh, where we are now in terms of Leicester, you know, a bit of a bit of a look back in that, uh, maybe just to break the podcast after each game, you know, uh, run of things. But uh, but there we go. So that's uh, that's it from me. Anything else, Rob? No, uh, only that I promise I will not ruin the audio like I did on last week's episode. I didn't mention it at all. I, no, I, I, I'm happy I left... to admit it. I made a mistake. I was tired. It was towards the end of the half term. I'm on my half term break now at the moment. So I'm off school for a week and my, my mind is clear. I will edit this one to perfection, I promise. I, I, I didn't mention anything. I just left the loaded gun left on the side for, for you to do it. But uh, yeah, it's quite funny as well. Oh, and uh, and if you're so inclined, uh, <coughs> Drinking With Fear podcast, um, uh, our listenership is going up through the roof as well. And we've got the uh, Halloween special coming up this weekend. 
uh, where we're going to be doing a uh, an exorcism of our friend on the show. So make sure you listen to Drinking With Fear podcast, and you can find that on uh, iTunes, your Apple podcast app, and uh, all good other places where you get podcasts, just like you can with Fox 8. So if you want to listen to uh, three people talking nonsense, then uh, that's one for you, definitely. 